Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. We're journeying through the book of Ephesians, and we're coming to a very, very important part of the book of Ephesians. Paul begins to turn his attention to the home, and he begins to address the responsibilities of the husband and the wife. These responsibilities have not always have been accepted in our society. And even possibly even as I bring this message today, there might be someone here today that may have a problem with some of the things that the Apostle Paul is sharing with us. But I just want to remind you, this is God's divine word. And God has given us divine instructions of how to have a happy marriage. And I don't care whether you've been married 30, 40, 50, or 60 years. There's always areas of improvement. Amen? And so I want us to look at that today. So with your Bibles open, we're going to begin reading in verse 18. And go through verse 33. Would you stand with me as we read these verses together? You remember last Sunday, I began to share with you the importance of a great command that the Lord had given to us through the pen of the Apostle Paul. And it's found in verse 18. So many times, individuals, when they began to talk about responsibilities of the family and the responsibilities of a husband and the wife, that they would just drop on down to verse 22 and then begin to read. But I want you to understand, to read it in the context that it was written in, you have to go back to verse 18. In order for you to experience and to demonstrate your responsibilities as a wife, as a husband, you must understand verse 18. So listen to what he says. And do not be drunk with wine where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. We talked about that, that one of the ways that we are able to worship the Lord properly is when the Spirit of God is in control of our life and He takes these vessels, which is known as the temple of the Holy Spirit. Then listen to what He says in verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he comes to verse 21. What a very critical, critical verse of scripture. Not only of our relationship between husband and wife, but our relationships between brothers and sisters in the Lord. Listen to what he says. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, 
And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkled or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one have ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife sees that she respects her husband. Father, in Jesus' name, we believe that one of the greatest institutions upon the face of this earth is the home. You established the home before you ever established the government. You established the home before you ever established the school, the society that we live in. You brought a man and a woman together, totally and completely different. Different physically, mentally, socially, many aspects that they have so many differences. And yet you joined them together as one. Oh, Father, I pray that today that your Holy Spirit would consume us in such a fashion that he might be able to direct us and teach us our responsibilities and that to reinforce the Word of God in our life. Anoint us with your Spirit. Use us for your glory. May homes be blessed. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Almost 35 years ago, July the 29th, 1981, was one of the most highly publicized weddings that has ever been undertaken. You may remember it, you possibly saw it on TV because more than 750 million people viewed this wedding. It was the wedding between Prince Charles and Lady Diana. 
more than 2,500 people tried to cram their way into that cathedral of St. Paul. Oh, it was like a fairy tale. He was a prince, like a prince charming. She, like a princess. And they're coming together with all of their beauty and with all of their wealth. And it was like, it was an envy of so many people. In fact, someone said, this is a marriage that was made in heaven. Sadly to say, that marriage collapsed. Sadly to say, it moves from that beautiful spectacle of in the eyes of so many people of that day that it moved into the realm of adultery. And then finally, divorce. So that plainly tells us that marriage is more than a fairy tale. So many young couples think that they'll come down the aisle and they say, I do, and they'll walk out the door and happily walk into the sunset and live happily ever after. But that, that's not always the case. In fact, majority of the times, that is not the case. I was just reading just the other day And if you want to talk about the commitment of marriage, listen to some of these statistics. There are over 18 million single parents in the United States alone who have children under 18. Listen to this. More than 46% of all marriages involve at least one spouse that has been divorced. 87% of all black children will spend most of their childhood in a single parent home. We wonder what's wrong with our society. We wonder what's wrong with our schools. We wonder what's wrong with our world today. And my friend, I think you can take it back, all the way back, between the husband and the wife. And how that relationship is established, or how it was not established. I'm reminded, as one man says, yeah, uh, marriage is made in heaven, but also thunder and lightning is too. And that is so true. There are tremendous crises that is in our world today between husbands and wives. World wars is going on behind closed doors. Husbands and wives fighting. Moms and dads that can't get along. And the house is being broken up and being literally destroyed right before the very eyes of their children. Seemed like that all the children hear is harmful words that is spewing out of the mouths of their moms and dads toward one another. Oh, my friend, I want you to understand that the Apostle Paul 
was very aware how difficult it is for a man and a woman to come together in holy matrimony without help. And so therefore, he reminds us in verse 18 that the Spirit of God, who is to live in your life when you have come to know Christ as your Savior and Lord. And that is the first and utmost responsibility of an individual is to that they know Christ. It's amazing to me as I sit down with young couples today and I began to talk with them. One of the very first questions I'll ask them, I'll ask them, I says, do you know Christ? Have you ever experienced Him in your life? Have you Come to know Him as Lord and Savior of your life. And so many of them would say no. Never been to church, never was brought up in church, never was brought up with the Word of God, and yet they're beginning to start out a chapter in their life, and yet they have no help. And certainly I always try to encourage them that they come to know Christ as Savior and Lord, and that that is the utmost, utmost need in their life as they might grow together in matrimony. But even with Christ being in your life, there is something that is so dynamic that the Holy Spirit wants to be a part of your life. Paul lays down before us certain responsibilities. And he is saying that you cannot, wives, fulfill those responsibilities as a wife without the help of the Holy Spirit. And husbands, you cannot love your wives as Christ loved the church without the help of the Holy Spirit. And so it's futile for us to attempt to try to accomplish something in this world today with all that is combating against us without the help of God's precious Spirit. See, my friend, every one of us, not only as an individual, but of course as a family, have enemies. The enemy of the world. Is combating against you. The enemy of the flesh is combating against you. The enemy of Satan himself is combating against you. And he has one ultimate desire, and that is destruction. And that's exactly what he is doing in so many people's lives. So, the ultimate goal of every husband and wife, is that they might be filled with the Spirit of God. Now you'll notice that it's in the context with these particular descriptions of responsibilities. And so therefore, we must understand that as He gives us the command, then He lays before us the participles of instructions. So, very simple today. I want to talk to the wives, and I do that with fear and trembling. (laughs) And then I'm going to talk to the husbands in just a few moments. 
First of all, I want us to look at verse 22 and following. The very first thing that I would like to share with you today is that for a wife to be the wife that she is supposed to be, it requires faithful fellowship. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 22. Wives, submit. Now, immediately when I say that word, there, if you have any worldliness in your heart, you have a resistance against that word. If there's anything of a natural being within your life, in other words, you're not living in the spirit, but you're living as a natural man, as Paul describes in 1 Corinthians That when you say submit, immediately there's something inside you that calls against that word and that meaning. And you fail to hear what it really means. Literally, what submit means, being voluntarily placing yourself under the authority of your husband. Now, God has brought that to your attention. And so, therefore, what he does, he brings before us his requirements. You see that in verse 22. Requirements. That you are to submit. You are to voluntarily place yourself under the authority of your husband. You say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't know my husband. If you knew my husband, you wouldn't be saying that. Well, let me just share with you, there's four things that destroys biblical submission. First of all, there is what some would say qualifying submission. And that is, I would follow my husband if he was a spirit-filled man. I would follow my husband if he was a believer. I would follow my husband if he would go to church. I would follow my husband if, and we go on and on and on and on. But you know, that's not what the Bible states. You're saying that I am submit, supposedly submit to my husband even if he's not a spiritual man. My friend, you're to, I mean, my friend, you're to submit to him in everything other than he would lead you to do something that is biblically wrong. There is what is called a grudgingly submission. I follow my husband, but I don't like it. Well, my friend, you're not really submitting. You're not joyfully submitting. And that brings resistance within that marriage. There is what is known as a faithless submission. I will follow my husband, but I'm afraid he won't lead us properly. And my friend, I want you to understand, one of the marks of any spirit-filled Christian is he is a man and a woman who is willing to submit. It's what verse 22 talks about. What verse 21 talks about. That that as 
a spirit-filled woman, you're to submit. So we began to look at some of God's requirements. But what about God's reasoning? Look what he says in verse 23 as well. For the, uh, says, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife. Now I didn't say that. But this is what the Bible says. As also Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Now, I want you to understand, God understands structure. And God knows that no society can exist as long as there is no order. If there is no order, there is disorder. There must be order in our schools. There must be order in our society. And there must be order in our government. And there must be order in our homes. And so God says very plainly and very directly that if there is no order, there is disorder and you have anarchy. You have problems within that home. Now, I'm reminded of what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. Listen to what he says. He said, I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ. In other words, he sets an example that Christ should be the head of the man. Then he goes a step further and he says, and the head of the woman is the man. And then he goes a step further, and then he says, and the head of Christ is God. Do you see that divine order? Christ is under subjection of God the Father. Man is under subjection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the woman is under subjection of the man. There is a divine order. And when that divine order is taking place, what you have done, you're beginning to accomplish the will of God. And you begin to recognize that the Holy Spirit of God is working in your life to accomplish something which you long desire, and that is to have a happy marriage, to have a loving home, to have a home that reflects the glory of God. Now, I can hear some women say, well, I want you to know I'm just as equal as my husband is. And you're absolutely right. There, This does not mean that you're not equal. In fact, listen to what the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male, listen to this, or Female, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. We're one. Doesn't mean that man is far more important than woman. Doesn't mean that man is far superior than woman. That does not mean that. It just means a responsibility. A ladder of a chain of command. Now, I want you to understand, 
a woman that does not understand this, she's headed for some serious problems. That's the reason that we have a lot of women today that are experiencing some major, major problems, not only in her home, but in her own life. Let me just bring out about three or four uh, problems that she's going to face with. She will have problems with God. I mean, after all, this is command of God, and you do not fulfill this command. You have broken His command. You're not fulfilling the word of God. God gave you a man that has a desire to lead. And God has given you a desire to follow. And he wants you to fulfill that. And so, friend, if you do not fulfill that responsibility, you have a problem with God. But not only will you have a problem with God, but you will also have a problem with your husband. In other words, what I want you to understand, you're going to make your husband a little warped in the way that he is acting and the way that he carries out his responsibilities. God has given him a responsibility of leadership, and if he cannot lead, it brings about frustration. And it brings about confusion. But you also have problems with your children. See, as I talked about the divine order, Christ's subjection to, to the Father, the man is under subjection to Christ, the woman is under subjection to the man, but the children are to be under subjection to their mother. And friend, I want you to understand that if they see that there is a controversy, and they see there is a conflict of leadership within the home, they'll have problems listening and taking directions from you. So there's problems, but you also will have problems with your own self. You have special needs that only your husband can meet. And the only way that he's going to be able to meet those needs, my friend, is that when he's in the leadership role. I'm reminded of the centurion. You remember what, uh, what, uh, that centurion came to Jesus one day and he told the centurion, I mean, the centurion told Jesus that he had a child that was sick. And Jesus says, well, I'll go home with you and heal that child. And the centurion said, oh, you don't have to do that, Jesus. All you have to do is just say the word. Jesus said, I've never known a faith any greater than that. That centurion understood the proper role of responsibility. He understood that the authority that Jesus Christ had over death and over disease, and over demons, came under that authority that he had with his own father. And friend, that's exactly the way it is in the life of a home. And so friend, I want you to understand, well, what about the results? What are the results? The Bible tells us in verse 24. It says, therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. 
How does the Lord treat the church? He delegates responsibility to the church. He is the head. He is the authority of the church. And when a wife is subjected to the husband, that means that she is to carry out responsibilities within that home. She is to be the homemaker. She is to be the supporter. She is to be the the, the one that is to bring fulfillment in the life of that husband and of that home. She is the one to be the one to lead and guide and direct those precious little children. Let me tell you about a man by the name of George and Linda McCluskey. George and Linda McCluskey had a little baby. And when they had that little baby, they decided that they needed to spend time of dedicating that baby in prayer every day. Eventually, they had two children. And from 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock, every single day, they prayed for those two precious little girls. Well, those two little girls grew up, and they ended up marrying ministers. Well, George and Linda McCluskey continue praying for not only for their children, but for their grandchildren. And even began to pray for their great-grandchildren that was to come in years to come. Out of that two of those children, they had five children. Four daughters and a son. Those four daughters ended up marrying ministers and the son ended up becoming a pastor. God was blessing that family remarkably. Well, the McCluskeys were continuing to pray. Out of that five, the first two of the offsprings of that five were two young boys. They began to grow up, began to get ready to go to college, and they went off to college, and everybody expected them to become ministers as well because, after all, all the offsprings had become ministers or married to a minister. Well, one of the boys in the middle of college decided he wasn't going to become a minister. And all of a sudden, he became like the black sheep of the family. He went off to college. Then he went on to school to further his education and became a psychologist. He ended up writing a book on how to develop children. His name was James Dobson. Do you see understand what I'm talking about, wives, moms? The importance of placing yourself under the authority of God and placing yourself under the proper perspectives as the Bible teaches and trains. Let's go a step further as we continue. Let's look at the men for a few moments. I can hear the wise say, oh, it's about time. Think about it, guys. You talking about a responsibility. We have even a greater responsibility than even the wives. Look what the Bible says in verse 23. 
For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church and is the Savior of the body. See, it should require a loving leadership. God has called you, men, to lead and to be a loving leader. And he talks about his position. He's not talking about that you are a dictator. You are not a dictator of the household. You're to be a leader. You're to be a lover. You're to be one that is so consumed with Christ that you're headed in the direction of his path of righteousness. Heard about three guys one time. They were at a bar and they were talking about of how they were uh, uh, dominating, domineering over their uh, wives and the two of them was talking about have how they had their wives wrapped around their finger. Well, one guy didn't say a word. Eventually, the other two guys looked at him and says, uh, "What about your wife?" He said, "Ah, oh, hey, listen." He said, "I had my wife down on her hands and knees the other night." He said, "You're kidding me?" He said, "Yes." She told me to get out of that bed and fight like a man. <laughs> Friend, I want you to understand the right that God has given you is a right that you're to hold with confidence, but also it's a very delicate right. You're to do it very delicately. Loving her, leading her. I've never known a woman that's not willing to submit to a man that when a man loves her to the point that he's willing to die for her. So he talks about his position here. Look at the pattern he places before us. He says in verse 25, as Christ loved the church. The other day I asked Brenda, will you love me when I'm old and unattractive? She says, I do. I wasn't expecting that answer. (laughs) But he gives us a pattern here. He says, as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? The Bible says he gave himself to the church. Do you ever feel or do you ever think that Christ ever crammed down, cram subjection down the throat of the church? Absolutely not. What do we find the church wanting to do and having a desire to do when the Spirit of God is in control? We want to adore Him. We want to love Him. We want to follow Him. We want to give Him the rightful responsibilities in our life as Lord of our life. Why? Because he first loved me. And he gave himself for me. Because he went to a cross and was willing to lay his life down for me. Man, do you understand what that means? That means that you're willing to die for your wife. And I'm talking about die as an individual. 
You know, the problem, the biggest problem of so, of so many homes today is the problem of what I would call selfishness. That's my bank account. That's my money. That's my car. That's my house. My friend, it's not yours when you die. When you die, you voluntarily give it away. And there's something about a man that who comes to an understanding that if I am to love my wife as Christ did, I must die and meet her needs. But he also talked about the practice. How am I to love my wife? He says, the Bible reminds us in, in uh, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify, cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkled or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. You love her selflessly. A spirit of giving. There's many false loves today. I hear a lot of people say, I love you because you're rich. I love you because you're beautiful. I love you because of this and that. But if you remember those marriage vows, it's for richer or for poor. It's for better or for worse. Sickness and in health. In other words, conditions changes. And therefore, you're to love them selflessly. I heard about this guy, saw this elderly couple, and they were sitting at McDonald's. And the guy, he was watching the guy, and he went and he purchased just one hamburger, one French fry, and one Coke. And very neatly, he had another, another cup, and he poured half of that Coke into that cup. He took half the hamburger and he put it over here on the paper. He took half the french fries and he put it over here on the other side of that paper and he pushed it to his wife. And the guy was so impressed. He said, I'd like to buy uh, you another meal. He said, oh, no, no, no. He said, me and my wife, we split everything 50-50. said, oh, please let me buy you another meal. Oh, no, no. Well, he happened to notice that the wife was just sitting there with her hands crossed. And the, and the gentleman was eating, going on, and just eating. And he says, well, why aren't you eating? He says, she said, well, he has the teeth first. <laughs> now, that's what you call 50-50.
loving her selflessly, loving her sacrificially, Christ died for her. My needs becomes less than her needs. Her needs becomes prominent. And I am to love her. Do you know what most homes needs today? Most homes needs two funerals and a marriage. The husband and the wife dying to self. And they're being brought together as one. In holy matrimony. Heard about this guy one time. He went with his friend home. And he noticed as he walked up into the, into the house that his friend reached over and he planted a big old kiss on his uh, wife's face. He says, honey, you look so beautiful. They ate and he complimented her on her meal. He said, man, he's... He talked to him after the after they got through eating. He says, man, he said, this is amazing. He said, you were so complimentary. He said, oh, yeah. He said, you know what I found? He said, I found out that the more I compliment my wife, the more she does for me. And he says, I, it has made our marriage such a great marriage. Well, the guy thought, wow, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to go home and I'm going to do the very same thing to my wife. He walks in the door and he plants a big old kiss on her her cheeks. He tells her, he says, honey, you are beautiful today. And then all of a sudden she just starts crying. Just burst out crying. He said, well, honey, what's wrong? He said, this has been the worst day of my life. Johnny got in a fight at school. The refrigerator broke and ruined all all the food inside the refrigerator. And now you come home drunk. (laughs) so you need to be careful guys don't come on too strong too quickly you're to love her sacrificially love her sanctifyingly what did Christ want to do he wants to beautify his church He wants to beautify his church. What is he doing? He's constantly cultivating your life, constantly cultivating my life, constantly maturing us, developing us, so that one day, listen to this, one day that he might present his bride to his father. This is my bride. My friend, I want you to understand That's exactly the way a husband should be treating his wife. Doing everything in his power to make her more beautiful. Physically, spiritually, mentally, socially. Every aspect. Oh, friend, do you not see what it means as the Bible talks about that we are to love her sanctified? But we're to love her satisfying. The Bible says, I am to love my wife as I love myself. Huh. That's interesting. I don't know much about you, but I can tell you one thing. You do love yourself. If you don't, you have a problem. We all have, have desires. And what is the number one 
responsibility of an individual is to meet those desires. If you have an itch, you scratch it. If you're hungry, you feed. If you're thirsty, you go find water. You're meeting a need of your own body. And the Lord says, that is a, an example of the way that you're to love your wife. That you are to meet her needs even before she tells you. You say, Pastor, how in the world can I know what her needs are? My friend, if you're in tune with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will tell you what her needs are. Before she even has to tell you. And all as you're meeting her need, you are demonstrating your love for her. So you love her satisfyingly. And you're to love her supremely. She's to be number one. Number one even over your children. Over your grandchildren. She's to be number one. Other than the Lord Jesus Christ, she should be top of the list. Supremely. My friend, I want you to understand... The relationship of the husband and wife is to be compared to that relationship between Christ and His church. I heard a gentleman one time that I've never forgotten what he said. He had a watch, a gold watch. And we were admiring that gold watch. And I asked him, I said, where did you get your gold watch? He said, ah. He said, it was a wedding present 50 years ago from the father of the bride. And he gave it to me on my wedding day. And he says, I wouldn't take nothing for this watch. And then he showed me his watch. And inscribed on the face of his watch, it said this, Say something nice to Sally today. Every day, he was reminded as he looked at his watch, Sally was something special, something very important. Loving her, caressing her, encouraging her to become everything God intended. And guess what happens? You end up having a relationship that you've been married and somebody will stand up and say, they've been married 50 years. That just just doesn't happen, people. But it took a lot of work, a lot of commitment, a lot of love, and a lot of give and take, and a lot of submission. But you know what? That's an impossible task without the help of God. 
And He wants to come and be a part of your life so that He can be a part of your marriage and your family. Just a few moments. We're going to give an invitation. And in that invitation, we sometimes think, well, this is a way to escape hell. Oh, my friend, I want you to understand, that's a small part. Trusting Jesus Christ, escaping hell is just a small part. But the most important part is that you can experience a little bit of heaven here on this earth. It's Christ being Lord of your life. Would you stand with me? Father, thank you so much for your divine word and for the way that you've spoken to us. Lord, help us to be men that will love our wives, that we'll be leaders, godly men, that we can say, as Joshua said, as far as me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Thank you, Father, for our wives. Help our wives, dear Lord, to become godly ladies and to be ladies that will exemplify the Christ that they serve. Lord, I might be talking to some couples today that are having some troubles. And maybe that this is a time that they just need to come and renew that relationship with you and with each other. Some may need to come and say, Pastor, I've never been saved and I need Christ in my life. I need His help in my life. Some need to come and say, Pastor, I have Christ in my life, but I've never been baptized. And oh, how I need to be baptized in His likeness. Oh, Lord, use this time to fulfill Your will and Your purpose. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Would you-